Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. Hi, everyone. We are back with Cynthia from D-Travel. It's been now 10 months since our uh, first uh, episode together. Uh, since then, we, we we met in May in Barcelona, the Web3 and Travel Conference. And I wanted to talk to you, uh, Cynthia. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast again. I wanted to talk to you, basically to ask you what has happened in this last almost year uh, in the travel. Uh, maybe you can present yourself quickly. No, I don't think everybody knows you, but most of people, most people know you. But uh, yeah, maybe a quick presentation, please, and then no, tell us what you've been doing. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Cynthia. I'm the CEO of D Travel. My background is in the short-term and vacation rental industry. I've been a host for almost a decade now, which sounds kind of crazy, and also a community builder. I co-founded Airhost Forum, which is one of the largest short-term rental forums that's been around since 2014. And I've been building in the crypto space since 2017. I had a previous startup called Altcoin Fantasy, which I ran from 2017 to 2020. And it was a crypto trading simulation game that helped people learn about trading crypto safely through gamification. And ran that until 2020 and grew that to over 350,000 users, all organic. Unfortunately, Google Play was much less friendly towards crypto companies at the time, so they shut us down. So we kind of moved on to the next thing, but that led me to D-Travel and really combining two things I'm very passionate about, which is the short-term rental industry and then, of course, crypto or Web3 as we call it now. Yeah. Why do we call it Web3, by the way? (laughs) Oh, this question. Yeah. I mean, it always comes up, right? And Technology hasn't really changed too much other than, you know, we have NFTs and L2s and um, definitely more infrastructure things. But I think the big thing is this rebrand from just more financial focus, which was more crypto and trading, to now this societal change where people want ownership, they want Date, they want access to their data and ownership over their data. They want to be moving from a world of Web 2 where people are the products to now being owners in those products and ecosystems. All right. So tell us about the travel. What have you been doing lately? I've seen, I checked your website before. There's a lot of new stuff. So yes, I'm very curious. Yeah. It's actually crazy. I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but I cannot believe that it's already been almost a year. I mean, time just really flies. And It's also very interesting how just 10 months can change many, many things. I think everybody's on the precipice of being very, very excited about the next year. But to answer your question, D-Travel, you know, we've been super, super busy. I think last time we were talking, we were still building out our direct booking website builder. Actually, maybe I'll take a step back just in case people didn't listen to the last podcast episode. So D-Travel is a Web3 travel ecosystem, and we're really focused on solving problems for the short-term rental industry. And specifically, our vision is around empowering direct connections between hosts and guests, and removing a lot of the intermediaries which cause not only excessive fees, but I think ends up diluting the experience between a host and a guest. 
And we're really focused on building infrastructure that power direct bookings essentially. So our first product, eTravel Direct, is like a Shopify for operator. They can quickly and easily create a premium, beautiful, modern direct booking website, which they can then share with their guests and build a brand and book directly with hosts. And the reason that this is really important is that as we saw during COVID, so many hosts were so reliant on not just Airbnb, but platforms in general. And when there were mass cancellations, they no longer had a way to run their business. And obviously that makes you very vulnerable. So we believe that direct bookings really are the way to a sustainable in industry. And that's backed by a lot of what's happening in the industry with people moving away from platforms and OTAs and wanting to diversify. So we really leaned into that movement and D-Travel Direct last time we talked was something that we had been working really hard on and obviously we continue to work on that. Some of the big updates that we've had since we last chatted was having what we call a manual listing builder and an Airbnb import. So if you either are using Airbnb and you want to import your Airbnb listing or you want to manually create a listing so that you can then create your direct booking website, those are both options. And as you can imagine, that's obviously significantly accelerated our growth and onboarding because now anybody can use D-Travel and it makes it really easy to onboard as well since I would say probably 95 to 99% of hosts are using Airbnb. And the other big thing, which we're, we've been really excited about and have seen a lot of progress and growth from is our Google vacation rentals integration. So let, for let me ask who, you, sorry, before we go on Google, yeah, which, is, which is huge, uh, I, I have a question about the listing uh, import mm -hmm. Airbnb. Uh, well, first, because I, back in 2018, when I was presenting Trips Community, as which was supposed to be a vacation rent, um, sorry, a decentralized OTA, right? Decentralized Airbnb. I, I was presenting, I remember this slide in which I said, we will import Airbnb listings automatically, but then we never went ahead into doing that. So how do you do this technically? And how is it like, how does Airbnb react to that? Is it something you can do? Uh, it's... How is the legality behind that, basically? So we have a partner that we're doing this through, and they do have is a direct connection to Airbnb. China manager or something like this, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So they have a connection and they're, you know, it, it's an approved connection. So that's how we're doing it. Um, yeah, I think I think in the long run, really the the road to success that we see is Definitely a big part of that is the PMSs. Like we want to be integrated with all of the PMSs because a lot of the growth, especially in direct booking, does come from more professional property managers. Um, so to to import my Airbnb uh, listing in the travel, do I need to be already a customer of this PMS or channel manager or not? No. Oh, no. okay. It's all free. Mm -hmm. Oh, so everybody can do that. Correct. Which oh, is that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, most people who are in short term rentals as a host or property manager have an Airbnb. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listing. as long as you have an Airbnb listing, you can be, you can import in the travel. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And so the onboarding goes from, you know, let's say you were creating a manual listing that probably only, still only takes like 10 minutes or so. 
but now you can import it in just well, a few clicks. Is there any synchronization going on or then you have to synchronize the calendars? Well, I guess, suppose you have iCal, but all about prices and everything else synchronized. Right now we're just doing an import and then phase two okay. is the two-way sync, like okay, you mentioned. Fantastic. So right now it's iCal, but yeah, we are moving towards doing a two-way sync so that it makes that experience really seamless for anybody who might have okay. an Airbnb or other platform listing. Fantastic. So it's it's much easier to to be part of, of the travel with that. Okay, great. Yeah, exactly. Good. So what about Google? This is also big. Yes, this is huge. And for anybody who's not in short-term rentals, Google Travel is a meta search for hotels, et cetera, but for vacation rentals, they specifically are trying to only have direct booking websites. And if you wanted access to Google Travel before, you would have to pay for either a property management system or a channel manager. But with DTravel, just for being a DTravel customer, you get free distribution and we don't charge anything upfront. The only way that we charge is if you get a booking, but it's 3% only. And just for you to get listed and get more eyeballs, get more distribution, that's all free, which is huge. And that's definitely a big part of how we're trying to solve this problem that exists in short-term rentals. Because the way that I see it is Airbnb didn't invent short-term rentals, right? Short-term rentals have been around for a really, really long time. But what they did was that they made it easy for anybody, literally your grandma, to create a listing. And that was really the catalyst for this massive growth that we've seen in this industry. And I think that the next phase, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, Luca, but the next phase that I think for short-term rentals is given what's happened with COVID, given a lot of the changes that have happened recently, especially with Airbnb and how they've been treating hosts, but also I think the guest experience, more and more we're seeing the shift towards direct bookings. And I think that the entire industry is realizing there's a shift and all of the PMSs are investing a lot into direct booking infrastructure. Like they are building out their own direct booking products and building a lot of tooling for this area. And so in the next, you know, five, 10 years, I think it's going to get as easy to build your direct booking business as it's been for you to list on Airbnb. And I think that's the missing piece that we haven't seen for the last, you know, decade or so where it's been really focused on these OTAs, but ne the next shift is towards direct bookings. Cause this is the same evolution that we saw in the hotel industry as well. You know, they loved OTAs initially and then started eating into their profits, et cetera. The hotel industry has it even worse because they have rate parity, which we don't have in short-term rentals. And that means that hotels cannot, um, on any OTA that you go to, it has to be the same rate. And even on their own direct booking website, I think it has to be the same rate, but they offer you know additional benefits and discounts because they want you to book directly with them. And so I think with short-term rentals, we're going through the same evolution where we see the same problems and we're trying to solve it the same way. You asked me what I think about it. Uh, I have mm -hmm. to admit that uh, after having been in the vacation rental industry for, well, since 2001, I'm out. Uh, I'm out because I stopped um, having apartments, uh, either directly managed or, or through website or whatever, since last year. Uh, so I'm not really up to date on what's happening in the vacation rental 
industry. But I have one thing which I, I realized more and more recently, and it's the following. Um, when I book through Airbnb or Booking.com, uh, I have something which I don't have when I book directly. And it's uh, I feel protected by the platform. There's a third party which can get in if something goes wrong. Booking directly as a guest, I am completely at the mercy of the of the owner. I can book directly a hotel because sometimes sometimes they have a brand to protect. Um, but I wouldn't feel too comfortable in booking directly with a host, uh, even if there's a 10% discount or whatever. Because of the quality of the the general standard of of you know hosts, uh, property managers and hosts is pretty low. Um, meaning that many times I'm not satisfied, especially with cleaning. Maybe I've become like older and more like grumpy. I don't stand <laughs> unclean places anymore. Maybe it's because my wife she's she's very cleaning a lot everything so every time something is wrong we spend half a day cleaning the apartment so it's 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 a bit uh a, a personal position here but like i was in london the other day in uh in an apartment alone i mean with, with a with a friend with a colleague for wtm and it was a bit dirty you know the little hair here the the the, the old soap in the shower stuff like this and, you know i just i i asked for a refund of the cleaning fee uh because I think I'm at least, you know, the, the minimum standard is that it's clean. So mm -hmm. where do I go with that? Uh, it, it, it's, it's like a bit like a bad introduction to, to your question, but there is a, there's an answer to that. Uh, it's a trust issue, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't trust hosts in general. I, I trust even less property managers. Okay. Um, the, the only, um, the only vacation rents I really enjoy are the, single hosts with one or two apartments who really do this with their heart and have 4.92 or whatever on Airbnb. These are fantastic. These are really, really high value. Everything else I'm, I'm trying to avoid now. Uh, and if I have to book something like in London, which was no option, I go through Airbnb or go through booking and then I, I, I can do, I can get, you know, a fair treatment if, if they were not fair to me because they didn't even bother to clean properly, right? So that's the introduction. Um, how do we solve that? Well, we have crypto. We have Web3. Web3 has the tools to remove the uh, trust value or the trust premium we pay to the, to the OTAs and manage it through protocols. Um, and I think we discussed this in the past. Basically, Instead of having to go to Airbnb and say, you know, I want the, the cleaning feedback, I can go to the smart contract and now and I'm going to explain the whole thing again. But basically, we we can deal with this in a decentralized way. We're not there yet. This hasn't been done yet. The technology is not mm -hmm. probably ready, but we, we get in there. So I'm 100% convinced that instead of paying 10, 15, 20% to the OTAs for this uh, trust uh, premium, we're going to pay 0 0.3 or 0 0.5 or 1% to a protocol to deal with it. Uh, until that moment, or maybe in a more light way, in a more positive way, when we solve that problem, we won't need OTAs anymore, even for that. Okay. So for all the rest, we don't really need them. Um, yeah. 
I'm using Booking because it's easier to find places because I'm I'm supposing uh, that most places are there, so it's easier to compare. It's fast, it's comfortable, and then I try to book elsewhere, um, and often I fail. But still, the discoverability of OTAs can be done by by other other means in a decentralized manner. Uh, but we have to solve the trust issue, and we will solve it. I'm hundred percent sure of that. Yeah, that's definitely a really good point. And I think that the solution is not necessarily to have a centralized entity, right? Because I think the problem that Airbnb solved was the consistency issue. There was one, no way to find a place to stay that somebody owned and would let you stay. And secondly, they made the experience consistent in terms of like, I mean, there's still a very wide range of the experience exactly. on Airbnb. So if you book one place, it's completely different than a different place. But I think like generally there's sort of minimum standards, hopefully anyway. And like you said, there's this perception, and I say perception very deliberately, that you could have recourse. How that actually works in practice, I think both hosts and guests have seen that the experience can be quite terrible. But I think the way to fix that is not to have an OTA in the middle. If let's say, for example, you had direct booking websites that were standard in terms of they had the same kind of information that OTAs had, but that booking is peer to peer, that would solve, I think, a lot of the trust issue because now you can verify that somebody stayed there and you can verify their review. Because I think reviews are a really big part of OTAs. And that's something that tends to be either missing or maybe not super trustworthy on a direct booking website. But again, if you use blockchain and you could verify that whoever left that review was a verified guest, and then you could see the history of their reviews, then I think that's really powerful. And with OTAs in particular, just sort of like platform, your account is limited to that specific platform, right? So if I leave a review as a guest, you only know me as Cynthia the guest. Maybe you know me as Cynthia the host, but you don't know what I'm like as a Google reviewer, as a Foursquare reviewer, you know, anything else. And I think that's really the power, power of Web3 reviews and credentials and reputation is you can take your credentials anywhere else. And the more information that you have about somebody who's leaving a review, I think the more credible that they become. Because if they tend to be a fair reviewer across every single platform, now you're going to see, okay, well, this person, clearly I can trust their review because they tend to have like a fairly unbiased, neutral or objective um, standpoint or viewpoint yeah. versus if somebody else is always leaving bad reviews, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I can really trust this person. They've, they're obviously very negative and maybe it's not that objective. And that's a problem that is not solved with OTAs today. And so I think with um, web three reviews, it's actually going to be more powerful and more trustworthy. But like you said, I think the problem is we're not there, but I do think that the way that OTAs are set up are just so unsustainable. They they have I, I I'm I'm happy you talk about reviews because that's another area where we can do so much better than the status quo, because reviews at this stage at the OTAs have reached their peak in um in quality uh, meaning mm, they are broken, and now I'm, I'm I'll tell you why I mean they are broken but they can't do much better 
and you you mentioned that the the, the data is siloed, and it's really hard to well nobody can use these reviews or or, or give you a better insight. For instance, a couple of weeks ago I was in Greece and I was looking for restaurants and. I wanted only to read reviews of Greek people because a local will give me a better view, uh, overview right. of, of the quality of restaurant. I don't care if some, you know, German American tourist, whatever <laughs> American tourist says, that's the greatest food I've ever had. I mean, it's a different perspective or like the ice cream. I remember like last year I was in Rome. We were looking for a, you know, ice cream gelato and there were the best reviews were in the center of the city. And 99% of the reviews were done by tourists who have no idea what, what a good gelato is. So we went in these places. So this is like crap. Why they have five five on Google Maps, right? And uh, so, for instance, we can do that. If the reviews are, as you mentioned, connected to a persistent identity, uh, we can have, and, and the data is open. Anybody can build uh, a view or visualization of the reviews in which you say, okay, just filter by local Filter by show me if these people always leaves bad or good reviews. You know what what you were mentioning. So in Web three, because of the open nature of Web three, we can do so much better with reviews. And why are reviews broken? In my opinion, because it doesn't make sense that eight out of ten is not good. Like in booking, I don't touch anything below eight. And actually, between eight and nine. Mm, Nine, nine point two. That's that's the basic. If you want something, um, which is good value, you know, and come on, that's cool. I was happy with seven. I don't know the the, the American, <laughs> the Canadian uh, system, but in Italy it was zero to ten. Six plus plus was already great for me. Seven was good. Eight was great. So because OTAs have to sell you, they're gonna show you good reviews. That's the the short version of it. They're going to push good reviews. A booking cannot afford to show eight when uh, Airbnb is showing four out of five because people will book more on the other side, right? So everybody's and trying four to is this bad on Airbnb. Four like... is untouchable. Yeah. Four, you, you go in a four, forget it. I mean, deep on the street, it's going to be better off. Right? Yeah, and it's really Four is like eight, because right? Because it's actually, yeah. Yeah. well, it's very... So I don't know if you know this, but it's actually also very country dependent or region dependent. So apparently Europeans tend to leave lower reviews. Mm. So if they stay at a place, they might rate it like four or maybe, you know, 4.2 or something. Whereas a North American will stay at a place and they'll rate it, it 4.5. And I don't know if we're more fake or just more generous or what. But it is very interesting because even within reviews, there is no consistency in terms of how somebody actually rates something based on what their standards are or maybe like what their cultural norms might be. And so I think what you're talking about where it's really dependent on who the reviewer is and maybe there's like a social graph for you to be able to see this and have different weights and levers that you can look at, that becomes really important because my experience might be more similar to someone from North America. And so I might actually rate those ratings higher than somebody from Europe or even things like if I'm, let's say a budget traveler and let's say you're a luxury traveler, then I'm probably not gonna give a lot of credibility to reviews because your expectations are so different from mine and vice versa. And you're not gonna wanna stay in a place and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Cause you know, my amazing is your untouchable. <laughs> 
Exactly. Uh, what you mentioned is uh, Northern Europeans tend, there's some countries like France, I think, but also Scandinavia, where very, very good is four out of five. And so in many Airbnbs or many places, uh, also that I manage, we had this, this uh, piece of paper saying, if you leave four, this is really bad for me. You know, if you're happy, you need to leave a five. So to kind of push them. Because that was really damaging, right? You had you work so hard, you need to get five all the time. And then you get somebody really happy leaving a four. How do we solve this in Web3? Well, again, if data is open, you can have visualization like Defi Lama systems for crypto, right? For for DeFi, mm -hmm. where somebody can build a dashboard um, or a website where you can filter. You say, okay, I am from this country, uh, this age, this kind of traveler. Show me the average reviews based on my on my personality and then i have the real answer like show me only the what greek people say about this restaurant in greece uh and this is not going to happen in the otas um again because they are optimizing for high reviews and for selling while any web tree system could optimize for great reviews and then any company or like the travel could import those reviews right because mm -hmm. you want good reviews on your website or a builder exactly. review system maybe so, yeah, there's a lot to do. Uh, there's a lot we can do that they cannot do. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's a long-term thing, but the trend is clear, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean... T tell me I... more about the travel. Uh, or <laughs> go ahead with this if you want. But Yeah, Yeah. well, so the Google Vacation Rentals, that is a massive oh, yeah. deal. Yeah, because, yeah, before you had to pay for it, and now with e-travel, you don't have to until you get a booking, but just getting access to that distribution is hugely important. And this is another thing that we believe very strongly in is in order for people to adopt direct bookings and to be successful at them in the same way that Airbnb helped with distribution, but through an OTA model, we are solving distribution through a partnership model. So we don't necessarily need to build distribution products, but we can partner with companies who are really, really good at that. So Google VR is one of them. The next one that we're going to be partnering with and integrating with is Travala, which is the largest crypto OTA. So uh -huh. they're going to distribute the travel power listings, and it's still going to be a peer-to-peer -peer booking. We are talking to exchanges and wallets to do the same thing because a lot of these wallets oh. and exchanges, they obviously want utility for their customers, especially if their token or their wallet is powering the payment. So that's gonna be, I think, a huge unlock for us. And timing is really good where there's probably gonna be a lot of Web3 focus and hype hopefully over the next year. So we can definitely take advantage of that. And we also have our own distribution product coming out very, very soon in Q1 of 2024. And we've kind of teased this one a little bit to our community. It's an AI recommendation tool that will return just direct booking websites. And we're super, super excited about this because people are always asking us, especially in the Web3 community, like how can we support D-Travel? How can we find D-Travel powered listings? And so this will be a way for them to be able to do that. But it won't be just D-Travel listings because again, we want to empower the entire industry to really be successful at direct bookings. So all of our PMS partners who are going to be distributing their direct booking websites that their customers use will also be um, on this product. So it's it's like um I think simplifying is a ChatGPT where I can ask give me a list of web, direct booking websites for this city something like this. Sort of, it would be based on your needs. So if you're going to Istanbul for DevConnect, for example, you could say. Mm -hmm. 
I want to find a place in Istanbul for these dates and I want a desk so that I can work and it has to be close to this area. So oh, then okay. Tool will recommend the top three listings for you based on your oh, specific okay. needs. Mm -hmm. And it's really about short-term. No, it'll be in Q1. Okay. Yeah. And oh, the nice. idea is that travel planning takes a lot of time. That's the first mm. problem. The second problem is that it's very, very, very challenging to find direct booking websites. I would say almost impossible. Like yeah, you almost yeah. have to know the brand. And that, yeah. that's definitely been one of the big blockers to the direct booking movement, right? So we're really trying to solve those two problems because if you can just get a bunch of recommendations that feel like they're very strong recommendations, then you could potentially shortcut your travel planning by quite a bit. And with all of the huge improvements and advances that have happened in AI over the last year, it seems foolish to not use advantage to take advantage of that in something that takes a lot of time, which is trip planning. Of course. Um so I'm going to Istanbul next week. Let's say I want to book on the travel. Uh, what is the best way? Shall I go through Google Travel? I'm, I'm right now, now in it. Or should I go somewhere else? It's So this is actually why we're launching this product. Because with Google, yeah. you know, we there's no way to really know if it's a Google-powered listing. Because they don't tell you. You won't know until you cl click through to the site. And there's no way for us to control that because it's a meta search. If you want, I can send you some of the listings that we have in Istanbul. But once we have this new product in Q1, then assuming it fits your needs, you should see more of the D-Travel powered listings. And then once we finish the D the um, Travala integration, then you'll definitely be able to see all the D-Travel powered listings. All right. So yeah, send me send me a list if you if it's easy. Uh, I'd be happy to check it out. I I'm checking now. Yeah, if you click on the listing, then it shows you who is the provider, but not before you click on the listing, right? Yes. So yeah. I see some some website never seen in my life. Uh, okay. All right. I yeah. Please, please. Okay. Uh, what else do we have? Um, uh, your website is packed with uh, with news here, <laughs> with new things. Yes. Another big thing that we're doing, and this is going to be really critical for the Travala integration is we're integrating non-custodial wallets into D-Travel. And the reason that we're doing this is to make it easy for any property manager or host to be able to accept crypto payments. Because obviously yeah. with Travala having 80% of their bookings in crypto, we wanna make sure that the our customers who are using D-Travel for their direct booking site are able to take advantage of that um, access to the crypto people. and. What's really nice is that with all of the AA features that have come out this year, it's going to be a really seamless experience for any operator. AA to meaning create a, a account. Um, sorry, account abstraction. Account abstraction, like yes. more advanced wallet, smart contract. Wallet infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they'll be able to quickly create a wallet using a social login, which is just going to be a seamless experience. And then we have the option to pay for gas on their behalf. So they don't even need to worry about having any gas tokens in their wallets for any transactions. And we're gonna be adding swapping on and off ramping, et cetera. So pretty excited about that because mm. with wallets, you know, this is obviously a huge blocker to Web3 adoption for normal people. So it'll be a really good experiment, I think, for us to see how, what we can learn from this and how to improve that wallet experience. 
Um, yeah, since we're talking about payments in, in crypto, what is the status of your smart contracts? Uh, what's mm -hmm. going on on chain with each travel? Can you clarify oh, yeah, me, what meaning, you're asking about? Uh, okay, it, what kind of features, all the features you have here, right? What is actually um, creating transactions or, or leveraging the blockchain uh, apart from the payments, which you just mentioned? Yes. So right now, all of our crypto payments are done via smart contract. Mm -hmm. So that's the first piece. What we're actually moving to is changing our smart contract for payments into the ability to issue a room night token. So this is not an NFT. Oh, okay. It's a token. Okay. It's like an ERC token. But mm -hmm. what that will allow us to do is be able to put on chain both fiat and crypto payments. So right now we have one smart contract that handles both the transaction and recording that on the blockchain, as well as the payment. And going forward with the next evolution of our smart contracts, we're actually going to split that out. So the payments are going to be separate from recording the transaction. And what we're going to do to be able to record fiat payments is whenever a payment is made and a booking is made, there's going to be a token that's issued for both fiat and for crypto. And it's either going to be held in a custodial wallet if the property manager doesn't have a wallet or sent to their wallet if they do have a wallet. And the reason for that is that we obviously believe booking data is very powerful and that should be open and accessible for anyone to read and be able to build with. And so that's why we wanna put both fiat and crypto payments on chain because right now it's just crypto payments but we do want to move to a world where we're recording all payments on chain. And that really okay. is one step towards us building out our protocol. And the protocol is basically a single source of truth for the industry, because right now, I mean, I'm sure you're very familiar with this, Luca, but whenever anybody wants to build in short-term rentals, the same thing in hotels, you have to connect with multiple parties. And if I'm building a company and you're building a company, we are connecting to the same people, but we're creating our own individual connections, which is honestly such a waste of time and resources, not just to build it, but you have to maintain it as well. And it doesn't make any sense that in our industry, we don't have one sort of like master API that everybody can connect to and read and write from. And that's really what the protocol is meant to solve, is making data flow a lot more efficient and um, cost-friendly, and also making it a lot more accessible for anybody that wants to come into the industry and build. Because I think there's a huge barrier to adoption and to innovation right now because everything is permissioned and it costs a lot to get started. But if everything was open, then we are probably gonna get much, much better apps and dApps that are created because the barrier to entry is much lower. The This is this is in a, under partners, the travel protocol. That's what you're referring to, right? Okay, mm -hmm. uh, can you make an example of a booking? Let's say I, I spend one night in London, I spend a hundred dollars or pounds, and uh, so what you're gonna issue like a hundred tokens for a hundred dollars or one token representing a hundred dollars? How, how is it technically? So, we're probably going to issue one token that represents the booking itself, the booking. Okay. Yeah, because the most important thing is recording the booking and then whatever information is associated with that booking is what's going to be recorded on chain. 
Okay, why an ERC20 and not an ERC721 or 1155, so an NFT? Why a fungible token, since it represents a specific booking? Uh, sorry, I just said ERC token. Um, I don't think we've landed on the the type of ERC token yet. Oh, okay, because you said ERC token, so uh, I assume 20. So you haven't yes, decided. Yes, yeah, okay, okay. we haven't decided, yes, yeah. Have you followed but, the ERC sixty five fifty one? Yeah. Okay. Is any plan? Does it make any sense for your your use case? That one probably not. Okay. Yeah, I think we're still trying to figure out exactly because the next phase of having these room night tokens is to be able to sell them easily in case you can't travel because that's. Definitely oh, one so it's of like the, the NFT really booking. powerful things. I mean, the, the, kind yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, if I make a booking and I can't go, I can sell it. I can sell the token. That's what we're trying to move towards, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. This is a general and it doesn't trend, have to be, uh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, with travel, I think one of the big blockers is that you, there's no transferability, right? If you hmm. book it, and you can't go for whatever reason, you lose it, which is stupid. But on the other hand, as an operator, you also need to have that guarantee. And so what we're doing a little bit differently is that the operator will hold those tokens and they can choose whether or not they want to buy back, in which case it essentially is a cancellation, or if they yeah. would send the tokens, which means that they would keep the money for the booking. Or hmm. the other, the traveler could then choose to sell it. Or sell back to the to the operator. Right, interesting. Now, this is getting very very interesting with uh, also other companies going through this uh, booking mm -hmm. as a token, token as a booking, because we can start thinking about even swapping amongst tokens. Exactly. Of course, it's all different different blockchains, etc. But somebody's gonna have to put them all together in one place, and that's gonna be great. Uh, very good. Um, since we're talking tokens, uh, I also see I've seen that you are kind of thinking about staking your tokens to get room nights. What was that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like how you're keeping up to date, Luca. Very impressed. That's because yes, you are... gave me 15 minutes before. So I said, okay, let me check. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out it was a good, good, a good thing to delay a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we are going to be adding some traveler utility into D-Travel. I mean, we have a lot of plans for different utility on both the host and the, the traveler side. But one of the ones for travelers that we're really excited about is to be able to stake to earn room night tokens. And these are essentially credits for you to be able to apply towards bookings as free credits. And so the idea is that the more that you stake and then the more that you travel, the more that you earn. And the room night tokens is one specific use case of earning credits, but there's going to be other things that you'll be able to do with staking to get access to really cool perks and benefits. And hopefully not just with us, but with other partners that we have as well. Is this active? I mean, if I buy tokens today, will I be able to stake them already? No, this is something we're going to be launching soon. So we're still working out the details of what this looks like. Okay. Because I'm getting a bit of FOMO. I always promise that <laughs> I'll be on every single token in the web travel industry. Sorry, web in the yeah, in the travel industry and web three. I always said I'm gonna buy every single NFT and I and I'm gonna do every booking which gives me a token. 
like an NFT, right? But I haven't done that for many reasons. And now I'm getting this FOMO. I have some of your tokens, uh, but I don't have many. So maybe it's a good time to buy. And I, yeah, I, but I can stake them. Okay, um, when he's ready, maybe I can stake them, get some free nights. That would be great. That would be amazing. Yeah. So yeah. your token is is on both BNB or BNB chain and and uh, Ethereum, right? These are the Correct. two chains where it's uh, it's available. Okay. Oh, I should mention uh, I, since you yeah. brought up chains, one of the really exciting things we're definitely looking forward to with the new wallets is that we will have the option to be able to deploy our booking contracts in multiple chains and also to be able to add multiple tokens for payment on those chains. So let's say if you wanted to accept USDC on Arbitrum or USDC on Optimism, et cetera, then you'll be able to have the ability to customize what you would like. So I'm going to ask, ask you to repeat, please. Uh, that allows me to spend any token on any chain or you were mentioning the, the booking token? Yes. So there's two sides to it. There's obviously mm. the host side. And once we have the wallets, they'll be able to configure what blockchains they want their booking contracts to live on oh okay and they, and they yeah. can choose many blockchains yeah we haven't finalized the list yet we'll probably actually have a vote or something for our community members to decide but we know that people have their preferences on their favorite chains and we don't want to have force, force people to have to swap or bridge, et cetera. And so we want to give them lots of optionality in terms of choosing that. And then on the other side, what that will also allow is on the traveler side, now travelers can have more flexibility in what chain and what tokens they pay in. So I think that's going to be a better yeah. user experience for everybody. Is this a layer zero or something like that? Some technology like... How do you how do you accomplish that basically? Well, the wallets we're using a third party, which is Third Web. Oh, they have yeah. a really really great tech stack. They've been really great partners. They have a really great wallet um, SDK. But with the smart contracts and deploying to multiple chains, it's really easy for us to be able to do that for any EBM compatible chains. The difference with the wallets is that we can build an interface that makes it really easy for somebody to be able to choose and customize that versus right now with EOA wallets, it's not a great experience. And so we can't design a seamless user experience because of just the technical limitations of EOAs versus account abstracted or smart wallets. There's a lot more flexibility in how we design the user experience to be able to customize the chains and the tokens. All right, cool. That's that's uh, uh, well. Those are all the promises of AA, right? Like uh, to solve this the problem of, of fragmentation. Um, okay. Anything else? I see. <laughs> find a stay, join waitlist, discover directly bookable vacation rental. That's that's the AI thing you said before, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So if anybody is a nomad, uh, yeah. Meridian, collect trips, yes. earn from travel. Meridian profile. Okay, that's a collect collecting all all the places you've been. Yeah, so that one is still going to be coming down the pipeline, but we're 
prioritizing the search product first because this is something that so many people have been asking about and we felt that this was really one of the key things that would help our customers be successful was the search and distribution aspect the this meridian is what you used to call passport maybe yeah ah okay okay mm -hmm. oh no Another question then, uh, you mentioned the DAO and, and the vote. What is uh, the situation in, in terms of the DAO now? Yeah, you know, it's so funny what, because DAOs have become quite mm, unpopular. <laughs> yeah, we have just to change the name. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah Crypto, right? we'll just have to rebrand, yeah. yeah. So there was a massive hype for DAOs and then I think things have kind of died down. But for us, really, I mean... Rename a DAO whatever you want to name it, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's about being community driven and about being community owned and something about the short term rental industry that I think a lot of people don't know unless you're actually in it is it's the perfect web three playground because people in short term rentals are so community focused already. There are so many groups all around the world dedicated to hosts that local hosts are just starting to help each other. And so yeah. they're already community driven. You don't have to convince them of anything. And that's why I think it's the perfect industry for Web3 to come in and I think formalize maybe some of the community aspects of it. And so we still very much have this DAO roadmap where we want to continue to bring in the community and have them be a lot more involved and eventually make a lot of the decisions. And actually, that's a good reminder. We had our first community-hosted event in London as part of Zebu Live, which is a big Web3 conference in October. So two of our community members, they were one of our first customers. They've been longtime avid fans and just amazing. They, through a community event, brought their community in and shared more about D-Travel and how we're helping them with their business and why other hosts should be using D-Travel as well. And it was just amazing because it's the first example of our community coming together and actually doing things on their own without any prompting from us. I mean, they literally did everything on their own and we wrote a blog post recapping the event. But I think this really shows the power of being a community run and community driven project. And I haven't seen this too much i think even in web3 despite us saying that we're community driven and so it really just gives me so much hope and so much excitement about us continuing to lean down this path and empower more community members to be able to do things like this yeah i can confirm that when we we started trips in 2017 we were because we come from that industry so we were focusing only hosts and there was no need to explain why we have to do things as a community um, because that this part of the DNA mm -hmm. uh, th then you know it, it got stuck because of the technical difficulties so having a wallet etc but the concept of like let's do our own OTA um, because we don't want to depend too much on 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 you know plus other OTAs uh, it was obviously a, a value proposition to everybody so I, I can only agree with that mm. Good. Um, we have 10 minutes more. Uh, general feeling about everything in in the travel industry. In what travel. Has changed? Well, what, what do you... Yeah, everything, everything. No, because the world is going to, to hell. So let's not talk about that. <laughs> but 
just the well, travel think, industry related to crypto or what, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. Well, there's obviously like macro forces or the macro economic outlook and then there's crypto. And, you know, anybody who's been in crypto for a minute, I'm sure feels the small frenzy that is happening right now with some of the potential ETFs coming down the pipeline. And I think ETH and Bitcoin may be making a rally. But it's definitely interesting because obviously outside of crypto, like stocks aren't doing well. A lot of companies are laying employees off. I think travel is maybe going to have a constriction. I know a lot of travel companies have also laid people off. And so I think it's yet to be seen what ends up happening in the crypto industry because of some of the bigger macro forces. Um, but what's interesting is that I've seen a bunch of Web2 companies issue NFT projects. So Lufthansa came out with theirs. Uh, yeah. Ithai, oh no, I'm going to butcher their Itihad. name. Itihad, Itihad thank you. Yeah. Yes, they also have an NFT. And then we were just talking about trips, mm. trip.com, sorry. Trip.com, also yeah. has their NFT. And so it's been interesting to see these Web2 travel companies that are issuing NFTs because obviously I think that's a good sign for the industry. And using NFTs for perks and membership rewards are a really, really good use case of NFTs and of web3 generally so not sure how those are going to take off but at the very least i think they represent a very strong narrative and signal towards web3 which is only good for our industry yeah th those you mentioned are the, the, the way i interpret this is like these are things which are uh, seeds which were planted in the last bull run when the ground is soft and everybody thinks is crypto is great so money is, is allocated and people start working on it. And then a couple of years later, they they launch it. Nobody really cares because it's crypto winter. Nobody cares about crypto. And then if they're well executed, they they grow again in the next bull run. Like Lufthansa was very well executed, in my opinion, for instance. Uh, are you ready for if, you know, you mentioned that maybe we are in a bull run or is, is starting a bull run and you know everything is going to change in terms of perception. Are you ready for that? Like, you know, people are going to look at the travel in a different way, uh, much better, much more more, more attention. Uh, how how are you going to leverage this? Like, um, are you changing your, you know, approach to this? You know what I mean? It's like a big tsunami of attention is going to come, money probably, and, uh, and that lasts for a few months. And if you really are prepared for that, you can really leverage it. Um, well, what's your take about this? How do you feel that this bubbling market is coming? I yeah. personally, I would have I would have liked to have a bit more time because I really love the, 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 the winter, the bear market. <laughs> and, but, it, you know, suppose it's happening. Uh, how, what are you doing? So what I was, I, it's funny because I just posted about this today, but oh. in a lot of ways, it doesn't really matter what the market is, right? Like we're here to build a long-term ecosystem. Oh yeah, I saw Whether it's a bull right market, now. whether it's a bear market, doesn't really matter. Like irrespective of that, we want to build something that's very long-term, very lasting because we believe in the vision that we're building. But I think that it would be foolish for any company in Web3 to ignore the opportunities for growth that are coming down the pipeline. And so some of the bets that we're making around 
integrating wallets, some of the Web3 distribution channels that we have coming down the pipeline, our own distribution product, those are very much aimed because we believe that obviously with the next bull run, there's going to be a lot of attention on crypto. And just as we saw in the last market cycle, all of a sudden it's crypto everything. And all these companies want to accept crypto, they want to invest in crypto, et cetera. So we have to be prepared in terms of enabling all of our customers to take advantage of that as well, because their success means our success. And that's why a lot of the infrastructure that we're building is really focused on enabling every single property manager that we have, and even the ones that aren't our customers today, to be able to easily accept crypto so that they can take advantage of it. And then also work with off-ramp and on-ramp partners as well, because that's definitely a big part of the challenges if you're a big company or a brand or a big property manager, oftentimes you don't want to deal with crypto. And so how do we make that easy for someone to be able to get the benefits, but without necessarily exposing themselves to actually holding crypto? All right. Um, I was at the World Trade WTM in London. It's like a big travel mm -hmm. industry yeah. event. Zero crypto. I mean, zero, no. nothing, zero, zero. So my question for you is, I know I was expecting that anyway. My question for you is, do you think this is the time travel really looks at crypto and actually, you know, sticks with it rather than, you know, going on the NFT bandwagon for a few months and then forgetting about this? Do you think are we mature enough with that or is it a bit too early? Maybe it's the next cycle. I think it's very dependent on the use case. So when we talk about payments, I think that that is going to be one of the biggest use cases as it relates to travel, because there's a lot of things happening that I think make it a strong narrative in terms of utility of crypto. I mean, crypto has always been at its base um, really a payment, right? A store of value, but also a way to transfer value. And with a lot of the countries all around the world experiencing either inflation or hyperinflation, a lot of these countries are holding stable coins or US stable dollars. Coins. And obviously, True. yes, but, yeah. but with the US, I think experiencing increasing unrest and potentially even like going down as world power, I think it's going to be safer to hold some sort of stable coin rather than holding just USD. And, you know, I think as an unfortunate reality of the wars that are happening, a lot of people, you know, out of the Russia-Ukraine war left Russia and they took their money in crypto. And what's been really interesting that I've been talking to a lot of people about is there's a lot of Russians who are going to a lot of different places like Indonesia, South America, Portugal. And when they get to those places, they are looking for places that accept crypto to stay. So many people are like, do you accept crypto? Because that's where most of my money is. And obviously it's challenging for them to offer up. And so, you know, obviously not good in terms of like world stability, but in terms of being a crypto travel company that is enabling crypto payments, I think there's actually an increasing need and demand for crypto payments rather than less of a demand. And I think that's going to increase both because there's going to be a lot more awareness of it, but also potentially because there's a lot of geopolitical instability that I think is happening that makes people want to hold on to something that feels more censorship resistant 
Fantastic. Uh, I won't take more of your time. This has been very good as last time. So thank you very much for for giving us uh, the, the this time. And um, yeah, um, thank you very much again. I hope to see you soon at the maybe at the next conference in September in Italy, the Web Train Travel Conference. Maybe maybe earlier. It's still it's still far. And good luck with everything, Cynthia. Thanks, Luca. As always, lovely chatting. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. And we're done. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more insights, follow me on Twitter at Tripluca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A. If you enjoy my podcast and want to support it, head on to podcast.webtreeintravel.com, tree is a digit, and mint an NFT. If you want to sponsor it, you can do it at the same page. I will mention you in the podcast and your name will appear on all donation NFTs for a while. Thank you and ciao.